Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill. With me, as always, is Kip Adams, coming to you on a Tuesday, getting ready for Missouri Week for Georgia, going on the road. Second trip to a Columbia in SEC East play this year, Kip. Uh, Kip, how is this uh, Tuesday afternoon treating you so far? The calm before the actual storm. Literally. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, yeah, I'm just uh, not worried about getting any yard work done right now. Just gonna let the let the rain come in and see how it goes. It's uh, I don't know. It, it's that time of year, I guess. It's hurricane season, and uh, I see a lot of games already being affected. And but uh, Georgia, I don't think they're gonna have to worry about that because they're traveling to that you know wonderful southeastern location in Missouri. Uh, should be pretty far away from Hurricane Ian. So uh, I think, you know, we can prepare to to watch a, a regular old football game Saturday night. Yeah, based on what Kirby Smart said last night, or I guess that was yesterday uh, afternoon, doesn't expect any kind of changes as far as travel, which is good news. And uh, obviously want everybody staying safe with all this weather. I'm sure there's probably a bunch of Georgia fans listening and watching this who could be affected. Everybody stay safe uh, during these next few days. Uh, yeah, Kip, let's just jump into uh, the conversation this week. I kind of want to start looking back at that Kent State game and then talking a little bit about Missouri, talking about some of the players Georgia's hoping to get back, and then kind of closing this episode with a big uh, announcement as far as far as Georgia's recruiting is concerned tonight uh, with a four-star wide receiver, Tyler Williams, making his announcement. But let's go back to Saturday. Kip, kind of a surprising showing. You know, Georgia, a 45-point favorite. Uh, kind of hangs around, lets Kent State hang around. Three turnovers in that 39-22 victory over the Kent State Golden Flashes. Uh, and I know you talked about this um, on the post-game podcast, but what sort of stuck out to you about that performance or even things, you know, a couple days after the fact, two, three days after the fact, still kind of lingering with you as far as how that game played out? Well, as I said, it's it's never as great as it seems. It's never as bad as it seems. And you go back and you kind of look at, at the the score. It's not indicative of really how Georgia's defense played overall. You look at Kent State's first three possessions. The it was ten yard or ten plays, uh, two yards, and they only got a field goal because of the month punt. And you look at last year. the The narrative was that Georgia's offense has benefited greatly by the defense that would give them short fields and advantageous situations. And I think this year you're kind of seeing maybe uh, the defense buoyed a little bit by the offense, making the other teams one dimensional, being efficient, uh, you know, and, and putting the defense in good situations. But Saturday, that's not what happened. Uh, Georgia put its defense in some precarious spots and uh, the, you know, there wasn't something they had experience with. And so you, you kind of saw, uh, you know, Kent State take advantage of that. I think, you know, if it's not for three turnovers, drop touchdown, we're looking at what 43 to 12 as a possible score. Uh, it's just a kind of a different viewpoint. And, you know, if, if things went how people, you know, kind of thought it would, uh, I, I, at the end of the day, Georgia did not have to punt in this game. The defense didn't allow first down until less than seven minutes left in the second quarter, and they outgained them 529 yards to 281. And so overall, I think Georgia still did what they needed to do. And as Kirby Smart said, I mean, this is what Georgia needed. Uh, Kirby Smart gets a gift this week, and he's able to go back. And as I said in the postgame reaction, now he gets to go back and, and give them probably 
one of the more difficult uh, in-season practice weeks uh, of, of the last two years. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to hear what some of the players, uh, when they talk tonight, have to say about the start of this week. Because to your point, I, I think it's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty big test for some of those guys. They're going to push those guys. And yeah, I mean, I think Kip, and I kind of wrote about this today, I wrote about sort of the game Lab McConkie had and, and obviously um, talked a lot about, you know, his teammates supporting him and kind of helping him through that. But, you know, looking back at the way that game started, there was absolutely a setup for Georgia to build a big lead in that game. I mean, first two drives for Kent State, nothing doing. Three and outs and wasn't particularly close to converting either one of those. Georgia offense had gone down in two plays. You know, Brock takes that uh, handoff and goes 75 yards. But you just see what turnovers can do to a game. I mean, it sort of was the you know equalizer, especially early in that first half, that allowed Kent State to stay in contention. And, you know, Credit to the way Kent State went about playing that game. You know, I was kind of struck after the game. You know, the the talk going into that game was how Kent State runs a different looking defense. It's usually a three man front, a three three five look, and they really didn't run it a ton. They they did not use that a ton. And Kirby said that they were kind of surprised by that. And I think that kind of threw them for a loop at least early on as they were trying to adjust. You know, I think when you look at this game, I know a lot of people were frustrated. You know, I'm thinking back to the live thread as that game was going on. A lot of people had thoughts about what was going on and, you know, stuff to say. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, a blowout would have been nice. But I think there's a lot of positives you can take away from this experience. I thought, you know, some of the people on the beat were really smart to point out that that game was the most fourth quarter reps this season that guys like Stetson have gotten that the offensive line has gotten. I mean, you know, the heat is still kind of a factor at this point in the year. I mean, it's, it's starting to feel like fall, but you know, we're still having 90, 95 degree games. There can be a lot of benefits to take from the fact that those starters had to keep playing and that they got to see how those guys handle those fourth quarter reps. I thought that Georgia's last drive was a good sign and just them being able to hold on to the ball. You know, I went back and listened to Stetson Bennett talking after the game, and he said, I told my teammates, this drive is either going to end with a touchdown or we're not giving the ball up. And, again, I know who the the opponent was. You know, it's a group of five team. Georgia's got more talent. But to be able to go out there and do that, to hold on to the ball, especially when they were – when Georgia was running the ball because – um, they had to run the clock, and Kent State knew they were going to run the ball. They still had a, a good amount of success. So, on the whole, I can understand people being disappointed with how that game played out. The fact that it was not the 45-point win that you know a lot of people were projecting going into it, but still a lot to take away that can help Georgia as it goes forward and, and tries to get where it wants to go, which is to be a playoff contender uh, once again. Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned the fact that Kent State did not come out in the defense Georgia expected them to. You can kind of see that Georgia's game plan was a little different than what we had seen the rest of the season. They made it a point to try to throw the ball downfield and make plays downfield. And again, uh, you have to look and see some of the guys that aren't you know, able to play right now. No A.D. Mitchell, no Arian Smith. Uh, that makes that type of game plan a little bit tougher for Georgia to run. Uh, you, you, these downfield throws to Lab McConkey. He's a guy that you know you, tends to benefit on the quick, quicker strikes and, and short yardage plays to be able to make plays with the balls in his hands. Then you had Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, not stopping the turnaround on that comeback route that the Kent State quarterback credit to him. He made a play and picked it off, but 
you, you saw that, you know, when Georgia's trying to throw the ball downfield, it, it helps to have the guys who are actually, that's their strength and that's what they bring to the table. And then on the other side of the ball, I mean, you, you look at the fact that no Jalen Carter out there that shows that there's room for improvement for Georgia st- stopping the run. Uh, they definitely made it a point to account for uh, quarterback Colin Schley's ability to run, just like they did with Bo Nix earlier this year. I mean, you could tell that they were accounting for him. They were not going to let him beat them with his legs. But at the same time, you got to have that outside contain. And I, I think uh, it was a learning experience, especially for you know a younger starter like Kamari Lasseter. And he's going to be able to take this and learn from this experience. And I mean, again, we got some. There's some young guys on the field for Georgia's defense right now. Uh, this is a positive for them, and, and I I don't th- see it as a negative or something that you know this is going to continue happening. Uh, that's this is experience based issues out there. So I, I think, like you said, there is a lot to take from it. Uh, I know people are looking at the still the run game. Uh, you have to notice at this point that it's being used as a complement to the passing attack which is kind of what people wanted. And at the same time, we still have to go back to that one stat where uh, the running backs this year still uh, are averaging, you know, more yards per carry than the running backs did at the same time last year. Uh, so right now you, you have a couple, you know, you have some other guys running the ball that you typically don't with a guy like Brock Bowers and obviously Stetson Bennett in there uh, running the ball as well. But the actual running backs are still outperforming the running backs from last season so far this year so I, I would not say it's an issue yet it just isn't a dominant run game because uh for a little bit that that's by design uh, that's just the way that they're they're attacking opposing defenses right now yeah and to that point with the run game i was kind of struck one i was surprised we got kenny mcintosh yesterday to talk to because he, he kind of got banged up and that was going to be a question going into missouri and well he walked out there and we said how how are you feeling he's like eh, i'm fine i'll be good to go he said a lot of ice baths but talking about the run game you know he was asked about what's sort of been a lack of explosive plays you know so far this year there has been one run by a georgia running back that has gone over 20 yards and it was kendall milton for 27 mm-hmm. on saturday and, and so kenny was asked about that and, and he said you know that he feels confident that those are coming he, he really emphasized patience he you know following blocks you know seeing those holes and being able to to figure out when to go and, and which way to go but um you know i thought that that was that kind of struck me just him saying that and sort of explaining that He's still got a lot of confidence. And, you know, I made sure and asked him about Dejan Edwards, who I don't know how you felt, Kip. He impressed me the most of the running backs on Saturday. I mean, he's just – he runs so hard and ran over guys, you know, kept the pile moving forward when he was hit. You know, saw a little bit of Branson Robinson near the end of that game. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, people are concerned about the run game. I think the way they are using – uh, it is part of this, a part of this offense, understanding what they've got in the passing game, understanding you know that they can utilize guys like Brock Powers. And then when he does get healthy, A.D. Mitchell as well, uh, I still think they're sitting pretty as far as what this run game can be and, and what it can do and what's left of the season. Yeah, and again, new starters at left guard and right guard and rotating uh, those guys uh, in and out as well. I remember Xavier Trusk uh, rotated out and uh, they put Devin Mullick in there, rotated back in on on the the uh, the next drive, I believe. And yeah, here we are, uh, Kendall Milton, uh, four games in, leading the team in rushing yards right now at a healthy 5.6 yards per carry. Uh, nothing wrong with that. And obviously, yes. Edwards, uh, you know, as far as effort and as far as getting every yard he can, 
uh, Dejon Edwards uh, definitely is that guy for Georgia right now, and, and he's he's almost at six yards to carry for him. So he's impressed as well. And Kenny McIntosh making more plays in the passing game right now uh, than you know than than as a, a running back between the tackles. It's still, I mean, something that he can improve on as well. You know, he's never been you know that number one, number two guy in an offense either. So again, there's there's a learning curve here. Uh, Georgia's schedule, as we said before the season, it, it kind of helps them because as you look at, you know, even this week, but this month, uh, it's Georgia's not expected to be tested a lot. Uh, this is an area where they can, you know, continue to improve and gain confidence and, and, and get better in some areas as they gain experience for that, uh, that back half of the schedule, which, you know, there's some teams that are playing pretty good football out there that Georgia's going to be playing in those last uh, three or four games of the season. Thought it was a good point made by Bryson Hood in the comments. 257 rush yards last Saturday, no reason to worry. And to kind of back that up, I mean, that's essentially what Kirby Smart said. I think that might have been on Monday. I was just asked about the running game, specifically, you know, up the middle, you know, between the tackles. And he was like, we hit our rushing goals, you know. And he pointed out sort of what I was talking about a few minutes ago that Kenny McIntosh was talking about was we want to see more explosive plays, but we're still running the ball like we wanted to see and want to continue having success in that way. Who are we kidding? Brock Bowers is the best running back on, on, on the team right now. Uh, the the best overall player right now for Georgia. And, I, I mean, I think that's established that Todd Monken's going to get him the ball however he can. Don't put a label on him as a position. You're just gonna, he's going to line him up, move him around. Uh, I don't think Brock Bowers knows what position he plays at this point. And he's just going to line up. He's going to look and see what the play call is and – and uh and make big plays it's just truly impressive he continues to do you know exactly what he did last year no sophomore slump for him so far he he is a truly special player let's talk about that kit before we take a break because i think it's a legitimate question and jacob hudson uh, asked it in the comments what would it take for brock to be on the watch list for the heisman still early in the year and obviously a lot of football left to be played but i did see today i believe it was the athletic of sort of their straw poll, they had him second. And I believe it was to Jalen Daniels, the quarterback at Kansas, who's had a fantastic start to the year. Uh, but I'll kind of give my read on it and, you know, what has to happen, not necessarily where things stand right now. But I think it's just got to be consistent playmaking like we've seen so far. And I think the fact that they use him in so many different ways will help if he is legitimately going to have a chance at being in this conversation. I mean, the fact that they can – you know, hand him the ball, you know, the fact that obviously he can go down and catch the ball and, and make plays in that uh, part of the game. I think you're going to have to see a lot of production because as much as, you know, it comes down to guys being the best player on their team, the stats are going to matter. Um, but I think he's got to continue to be a, a really big force in the passing game. And, and again, I think it helps if they continue to run him a little bit. I don't know. Maybe you keep that yards per carry that he's rocking right now. It's probably something outrageous. Uh, but that's sort of my thought. I think that he has to be, if he's going to have a legitimate chance at this, you know, being really in the conversation as we get into November, December, I think he's absolutely got to be Georgia's top receiver, probably in both receiving yards and touchdowns, which isn't unfathomable. I mean, I think that that will uh, have a chance of happening, especially depending on how long A.D. Mitchell is out. Um, that would probably help as far as stats are concerned. Um, but, you know, you never say never with this stuff. I think the fact that Devontae Smith won the Heisman at wide receiver when it had been, what, since like the 80s that uh, a receiver had won the Heisman, 
I'd say it helps. And, uh, you know, I always think someone on offense has got a better chance of winning it than, say, you know, a defensive player because we've had those conversations before. But, Kip, what, what's sort of your read on it? What do you feel like has to happen for this talk about Brock maybe being looked at as a potential Heisman candidate for that to continue past September? Well, it's been, I think, 73 years since the tight end won the Heisman. And I think there's only been two ever to win the Heisman. That's so we're talking about. Than, that's two more than I would have expected, but yeah. Uh, we're talking about uh, Yale, Notre Dame, 1936, like I believe 1949. Uh, it was a different era then and definitely a different era for the tight end position. But uh, to your other point, I mean, he's, he is, he's averaging 27.3 yards per carry right now. And I think for him to get an invite to New York, um, he's a little under that curve right now. I think for one, I mean, Georgia's got to make sure that the, they get to play some extra games uh, for him to be able to, you know, to, to, to make that case for everyone. I, I think he's got to have over 1600 yards from scrimmage and probably going to have to have closer to 20 touchdowns in 15. I mean, I think uh, if he's got 17 or 18 touchdowns scored and 1730 yards from scrimmage, He's got a chance to go to New York, uh, whether or not he wins it. I mean, it really depends on uh, whether these quarterbacks, uh, you know, uh, whether Caleb Williams, whether Bryce Young, you know, how do they perform over the rest of the year and how their teams perform? Because if they're, you know, if they're if they're playing postseason football and you know they're performing like everyone expects them to over the rest of the year, they're probably going to be the front runners. It's it's always been a quarterback award. You really just have to have, you know someone average play at that position and someone to break out. Uh, if there's anyone who can do it, it's obviously Brock Bowers. He's an outstanding player and he's got an offensive coordinator, not afraid to, to get him the ball however he can. So he's got a chance. I, I, I think he's a little bit under the, the curve right now. He probably needs to be closer to 450 yards from scrimmage right now through four games. So he's going to have those opportunities. He's going to be needed a lot more, uh, you know, in a couple of these games this year. And that could also be a factor. How much is Brock Bowers playing in the, in the fourth quarter in football games this year? I mean, again, we saw it last year. It's a product of how good Georgia is. I know we're coming off a game where they had to play well into the fourth quarter, but that has not been the norm for Georgia the last two years. And, and so uh, the schedule, there's not a lot of teams that we think uh, will push them, uh, you know, into the fourth quarter. So, Again, we think last Saturday, you know, was was not the norm. It was an aberration. And I think that I don't know if Brock Bowers is going to play enough snaps and be needed enough. But if he is, I mean, is that is that something Georgia fans want? Do they want close games in the fourth quarter or do they want Brock Bowers padding stats? I don't think you can have both. Uh, so uh, I think Kirby Smart, Brock Bowers, and Georgia fans would probably prefer uh, that he's not needed in the fourth quarter and he's not in New York because Georgia's winning by three touchdowns uh, the rest of the season. And before we go to break, I'll just say, too, what will help him is to have a Heisman moment. You know, if, the, if Georgia finds itself in some of these tight games, you know, that he comes through and makes a play when – they're playing a Tennessee or a Florida or a Kentucky games that we think could be closer than, than some of these other ones that will certainly help his cause if he's going to be a name that we are still talking about. So uh, we will take a quick break, come back, talk a little bit about injury updates, getting ready for Missouri, and then talk about a big announcement that is coming for a Georgia target later tonight. 
Welcome back, everybody. Well, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the injury situation for Georgia. Um, basically, if you don't know what an injury is for a player, you can basically guess that it's an ankle at this point. There's been several of those right now. Arian Smith actually was dressed out and went through warm-ups on Saturday, did not play. Um, Kirby talked a little bit about that on Monday and said that, you know, he's starting to run some. I don't think he's quite started, you know, stopping and planting while he's running. Um, so it sounds like he's working toward um, being back. Kirby did say that he felt like Arian Smith was a little bit ahead of A.D. Mitchell, who's also dealing with an ankle injury. Though uh, Kirby was quick to say that A.D. could be back this week. Uh, A.D. was out there during warmups, but he was not dressed out on Saturday against Kent State. Uh, and then the other one is Jalen Carter, who, I, if I'm not mistaken, the only time I saw him on the field was at fullback against Kent State. He was in there for a play. Been dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, Kirby said that he felt like uh, that Jalen was better last week than he had been as far as coming back from that ankle, kind of dealing with that. Um, and, and so it's going to be very interesting to see how Georgia handles this on Saturday. You're going on the road. You're playing a Missouri team that just got off. Kip, I don't know if you watched any of that Auburn game. It has to go down as one of the worst games ever played in probably college football history. Just completely ugly. Missouri literally handed the game to Auburn. Uh, it's going to be really intriguing to me how they go about getting these guys back if they decide to hold off, try to let these guys heal up again. Um, I, I, my guess right now is that Arian Smith may play as they try to work him back, but I could totally see them with all three of these guys um, trying to take it easy, going the conservative route in a game that you know necessarily I, I don't see them needing any of these three guys to get out of Columbia with a win. Uh, I don't see any of them making the trip. I mean, I think I think they have, you know, some other guys at wide receiver they could still take. Again, getting Dylan Bell uh, working in there more. You, you have Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint. You got Dominic Blaylock, who's continuing to work his way back into the rotation. I, I don't think this is a game where you should need these guys. And honestly, I, I mean, at this point, you you look at the schedule. You, you look at the Auburn game, um, and I did I did watch. A little bit of that game it, it was pretty ugly uh neither team deserved to win that game um so does georgia need these guys before florida at this point i mean at this point if you're getting them on the field you're getting them on the field just to get them snaps again and so i'm not sure they do that on the road with the with the limited roster you take a guy that you might not be able to, to really help you if you need them to so you, you look at those two home games, you look at Auburn and Vandy, maybe they just start to mix them in slowly over those games. But if they're not ready, no, I, I see the, the bye week right there uh, gives them time to, to get ready for, you know, that, that Florida game, uh, you know, an improved Florida team. Uh, but uh, one that, uh, again, in Jacksonville, that's always going to be a, a big time game for Georgia. So it, it is crazy to think that uh, I'm looking at the Auburn game and wondering if they if they rest these guys against them. But that's kind of where that Auburn roster is right now. They are they are hurting there. Uh, things are not you know going great. Uh, but yeah, for this week, I don't see it. I see they rest these guys. Uh, this is a this is a game that Georgia should be you know heavily favored in. I, I believe uh, you know three touchdown favorite. That it should be one that you know Georgia takes care of business, uh, rotates their guys in, and, and continues just to work on getting these guys healthy. Uh, for what should be some closer games later in the season. 
everyone who forgot Georgia won this game 43 to six last year, obviously a new year, but uh, still looks like Georgia is going to be a heavy favorite. Uh, we talked about the injuries. I want to make sure we talk about two Georgia's options at the star position for those who are listening, who may not have saw on Sunday, Javon Bullard was arrested. We don't know what his status is going forward. Kirby smart was asked about that on Monday said it was going to be handled internally. So we don't know necessarily if he is not going to play on Saturday against Missouri. I'm of the belief, this is not me reporting, this is just me speculating, he will not play in that game. What do you think, Kip, is the best route that Georgia goes and fill in that position? I've kind of weighed a few different options, and I wrote a story this morning about it. In my head, what I expect to see is Chris uh, Chris Smith move down from the safety spot to the star position, and Dan Jackson be out there with Malachi Starks at safety. Uh, what do you think is the best route or, or just the route that Georgia may go if Javon, Javon Bullard is not able to go Saturday? I mean, that move makes sense just because Chris Smith's versatile. He's played all these positions before. And, you know, you're not going to lose as much when you do that. I, I think, you know, Tyke Smith's going to get a chance. It's, it depends on what he looks like this week in practice. Um, he's still not all the way, you know, back to form. He's not up to speed. You got to play at a certain speed to be able to get significant stats in this defense. And uh, you know, he could play the star position, but as far as playing up the Georgia standards, he's not there yet. And that's no knock on him. It's just, again, coming back from a major injury, uh, he tore that ACL last October. So it has not been a full year, but you can play in there if you need to. So I think he's going to get snaps there. I know they mentioned Marcus Washington as well, a, a young guy, but. I think right now uh, what you have to do is is put your, you know, the guys that you can depend on the most on the field right now. And I agree with you. I, I think Chris Smith gives gives them the best chance to to play up to Georgia's standards and to, you know, to play fast uh, against a Missouri team that, again, they're kind of backed up against the wall right now. They're going to try to attack Georgia in the passing game. And so I, I think Georgia needs to be ready, uh, firing all cylinders in that secondary and, Dan Jackson is, you know, playing better football. And Chris Smith played really well, uh, too. So uh, I like that group. Maybe Dale, Dale and Everett's able to get in there a little bit as, as well. I mean, they have guys they are just young back there. So I just think right now the easiest thing for them to do is to make that move with Chris Smith the star for right now. Uh, injury question in the comments is CJ Smith injured. Uh, Jordan, uh, to my, if I'm rec- remembering correctly, I think during fall camp he got a little banged up. I don't know if it's something that's lingering, but it was kind of hard to kind of decipher sometimes with these true freshmen. I, I think it's just sort of a situation where guys like Dylan Bell have sort of emerged, uh, may have kind of a heads up uh, denial on Morissette as well. Um, but something to keep an, keep an eye on too. CJ was a guy that um, you know, speedster that people are really excited about with what he could bring and, and what he can eventually do in this offense. Speaking of wide receivers, Georgia has a big announcement they're going to be watching tonight at 7 p.m. Four-star Tyler Williams is going to announce where he is going to college. Uh, it seems like at this point it's either going to be Georgia or Miami. Uh, Kip, what is your read on what Tyler Williams brings to the table for whoever he signs with? And if you feel so bold as to predict where you think, He's going to wind up. Let us know uh, where you think he's going to go. I know that the, these don't really mean what they used to, but I, I had a crystal ball pick in for Georgia on June 28th for Tyler Williams. 
but in the 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 NIL era, you know, it's it's right up to the announcement, but it's really right up to when they sign, as far as how predictions work at this point. But Tyler Williams has been, you know, maybe not the top, if not the top guy, right in that top two or three as far as Georgia's wide receiver targets this entire cycle. And he's a guy that made the switch from quarterback to wide receiver. So still a new position for him, but he's also an outstanding basketball athlete. He's got a couple offers in basketball. 6'3", played last year at 200. I think he's up to 206, 207 now. Added some good weight. He's a strong wide receiver prospect. Uh, A guy that can, I mean, he can legitimately go up and get the football. Uh, I think right now when the ball is in his hands, he's one of the most dangerous wide receivers in the country. And so, you know, you look and see what a guy like A.D. Mitchell can do. You you, you see what uh, Georgia likes to do at its outside receiver position. This is exactly what Georgia's looking for. And Brian McClendon uh, coming in first year at Georgia, the wide receiver coach, looks to be building a pretty good group. If he's able to land Tyler Williams, and he's got three outstanding wide receiver prospects on board with uh, Raymond Cottrell and and uh, the guy they flipped from Penn State, the, the speedster, Yazid Haynes. They got guys that kind of bring different skill sets to the table. Still going to look for and see if they can get a fourth wide receiver. But I, I like where Georgia sits right now with Tyler Williams because of what Brian McClendon's done, the relationship he built with Tyler early on in, in the process. He locked in on him and his guy, and I think he's going to land him uh tuesday night and give georgia their 20th commitment this cycle and the the number two recruiting class in the country right now so still georgia continues to not do very poorly in the recruiting area i know that uh that's always an issue over the summer and then the fall usually uh tends to work itself out here but like i said you got to wait until these guys sign but i think tonight georgia gets good news and uh, I think Georgia fans should be really excited about Tyler Williams. I like what he brings to the table. That would obviously be a big win for Brian McClendon, and really this entire staff to be able to get a guy with that amount of talent. Obviously, wide receiver was a position a lot of people were concerned with uh, going into this 2023 cycle and understanding the need for Georgia and Tyler Williams. If he does wind up signing with Georgia, uh, would fill a big hole as far as that's concerned. Be sure, if you're listening to this, watching this live, to uh, keep an eye out for that announcement tonight. If he does commit to Georgia, you can keep an eye out that, you know, uh, Kip and I both will have stories, I'm sure, talking about Tyler Williams and what he brings to Georgia if he, in fact, uh, does sign with the Bulldogs, does commit to the Bulldogs. Um, But uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Appreciate Kip for hopping on. Appreciate all you guys who are tuning in live, uh, everybody listening to this after the fact. Appreciate the support. Appreciate uh, you guys uh, being on and taking time to listen and and to uh, watch us as we talk and uh, get ready for another week of SEC football. So we're going to wrap it up right there. For Kip Adams, I am Jordan Hill. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. And until next time, take care. Go Braves.